Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome, church. Hope everybody's excited today on this wonderful Mother's Day of all days. I know there's plenty of you like me without that godly mother in your life. You may have never been in church. Maybe she drug you to church. Maybe it's that wife that's a future mother that drug you to church. But it's these godly women in our lives sometimes that uh, allow us to get closer. Uh, and as men, a lot of times we try to run from our callings, right? There's a lot of us that tried to run, but you know, God had a, a, a bigger plan for our lives. Um, so today, uh, this morning, before I even knew I'd be up here speaking to you, I went looking for different Bible verses uh, and different things. And of course, you know, thankfully, I got a, a brother in Christ and David who's been all over. Hey, man, you really need to re reread Proverbs. So I have been, right? So this morning, it just popped right out up at me this morning about these mothers that are in our lives. And uh, it says, she is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. And that's right. I mean, a godly woman in your life, there's nothing more precious in our lives, right? Other than Jesus himself and God above. And again, so thankful for all the mothers, the expecting mothers, um, the mothers that may no longer be with us, but the things they've instilled in us, and those mothers that maybe had complications in their lives. Uh, we pray for all of you and continue to seek, seek you. Um, another one this morning out of Proverbs again. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Oh, that was strong. It reminds me of my, my beautiful wife as well because she doesn't believe in rest. So anyways, <laughs> uh, reminders, men's group. Uh, men's group is Wednesday nights, 6.30 and iron is sharpening iron in there, and we highly recommend and, and ask you guys to come. Uh, we've been in steadfast, uh, steadfast faith like Moses, and on Monday nights, the women are busy renewing their minds again at 6.30, and you know, these are women like Elizabeth, still believing in miracles, and the miracles that happen today. So again, women, hop in there. There's a lot of strengthening going on. And then uh, lastly, on Saturdays, we're coming in here, we're praying. We're praying for breakthrough. We're gonna see breakthrough in this nation. There is a revival, there's a Red Sea moment coming for this nation. We feel it, we feel it in the church, and we know it's coming. So come Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and let's pray for that breakthrough. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll kind of open up here in prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you, God of the Most High. We're so thankful for this time together, Lord. We just continue to pray. We feel your presence in here this morning, Lord. Let that presence be like the vision that has been seen here, the waterfall that is flowing down. Let your spirit fill this place like the mist, the mist just rolling through these seats, Lord. Let that pneuma or that spirit, that air continue to fill us, Lord. We are so thankful for this time to be with you today, Lord, and just anoint this sermon and let us just come to you and just continue to pray. We're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see breakthrough in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Y'all sound excited. <laughs> Aren't you moms excited? You got to get up early and get things done, just get preparation, start cooking your own Mother's Day meal <laughs> so that your family can come over and celebrate Mother's Day. That's what, that's what my wife did, or she got, you know, working on things and uh, so you can cook your own. Mother's Day meal. I'd say mothers next to Jesus. Jesus is definitely the most underappreciated person in the universe. His blood is definitely not appreciated like it should be. Not even close. Not even, not even from us who appreciate it. We think we appreciate it, but I'm telling you, it, it's not appreciated like it, it ought to be. It's taken for granted. Absolutely. Next to that, mothers. Taken for granted and underappreciated. For sure. I wouldn't be here without a mother. It, it definitely took one to get me here. Jesus had a mother. But they're definitely underappreciated. You don't believe it? Send her out of town for a few days. Stay home with the kids. 
Guarantee it. Change your whole perspective. Absolutely. So I don't ask Jackie to preach because I don't want her to ask me to stay home with the kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we got a little deal worked out. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, well, first, happy Mother's Day, of course. I don't, I think this, um, I don't probably have a typical Mother's Day sermon, and I don't usually look at holidays and say, well, I'm just going to plan a sermon around a holiday. I just listen to the Lord and see what He's got to say. And um, so let me read a scripture. It'll be in John, the fourth chapter. And in the 35th verse, John 4, 35. It says, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. Is there not a saying that four months, then comes the harvest? Now he's quoting, it's something everybody understood, it's something that comes out of Proverbs, but he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Look at the fields, look at them, for they are already white for harvest. In other words, there's no waiting. We're not waiting. Look up. Open your eyes and look up. See, I was thinking about concept and context. So we understand the concept of farming, but maybe you have to put it in a context because Jesus is putting it in a context they understand. They understand farming back then. They, they totally got it. That was a way of life. That's what they did. There was farms. That's how they lived. They survived. They, they grew their own food. They grew their own chicken. And some people here may have done that or may still do that, but not many do. Most just go right up to the grocery store and you get your corn, or you get your vegetables, and you get your meat, and you go home and you cook it. You're not a farmer. I know some of you have got some cucumbers in your backyard, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real deal farming. Are there any real deal farmers in here? Not a one in the whole building. Oh, she's a real deal farmer? I was at a race last weekend. They're real deal farmers. They had tractors, huge tractors, tires, tall as my head, the bigger, huge. Closed cab, giant tractors, farmland, hundreds and hundreds of acres, fields, far as you can see. You can't see the other end. And it reminds me of going deer hunting in Illinois, and I, that's where I, I've seen some real farming going on. And I was so nutty about hunting, I went in August when you can't even hunt just to see the place that I was going to hunt. <laughs> and But the corn, corn, like I've never seen. I mean, you can't see the end of it. It's like going to the beach and looking at the sea. It's just a sea of corn. That's some real deal farming. That's some real deal farming. So it's hard to, for you and I to put it into, uh, well, let's just say they lived in an agricultural agricultural culture. So to use an agricultural culture example in an app store world that we live in, so you, you get the concept, but you don't always get the context. That's why it's important to put it in context because context is very important. You can't have compassion for anybody unless you can put it into context because you can look at somebody and say, this is how they should be living? But see, you don't have the context because you don't know how they grew up without a dad. And maybe they're living a lot better life than you would if you were put in that same situation. Instead of zooming in and looking at the problem, sometimes we need to zoom out and look at the context. I saw a young man yesterday and he was drunk as a bicycle. But his father was also drinking as well, and he wasn't drunk completely as a bicycle, but he probably was before the day was over. And I see this boy, and I've known him for a long time, and I was a little aggravated because I wanted better for him. But then I looked at his father, and I thought, well, what would you expect? They're out there drinking together. And I thought, well, what? I, I could live that life. 
I, I could have grew up that way, but I didn't. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I didn't. So it's easy to say what he should be doing, but I've not walked in those shoes and I don't get to put the concept and the context together. Without context, there's no clarity. Everything always starts off a little blurry. But then when you get the context and you can see clearly, kind of like not appreciating your wife or your mother and me taking my wife for granted and then she uh, has to get like a little minor knee surgery a few years ago, several years ago actually, when the kids were younger, smaller and uh, more trouble than they are now and uh, she couldn't get up and walk around and do things for a few days, so I did it. I went to work. I cooked. I cleaned, I washed the clothes, I washed the dishes, put them all to bed, got up the next day and did it over again. By day three, I was seriously considering running out into traffic head first. <laughs> you wash those clothes and I'd have the laundry room, there's no clothes in there. And the next day, when I came home from work, it's like, where did this come from? They're just mounted up again. But um, I didn't understand the context, therefore I didn't have any clarity. And um, after she uh, got back on her feet, I was like, no more surgeries for you. <laughs> Ever again. We say things like, Shout until the walls fall. Shout until the walls fall. And that gets excited. We've preached sermons before. I've preached sermons in Joshua 6. We're shouting until the walls fall down. We're going to shout till they fall down. People in here stood up and shouted. At first they weren't shouting. I had to come down there and pretend like I was one of you, which I am one of you, but I had to act like I wasn't the guy preaching. And I started shouting and everybody else started shouting. We're shouting. It's easy to shout for the walls to fall down, but do you really want the walls to fall down? See, on the other side of the wall, there's something awaiting for you. Um, you take Joshua 6, for example. Let's talk about it real quickly. That's not the meat of today, but let's, let's talk about it for just a moment. There's some spies that go in there, and Rahab hides them. The king catches wind that there's some spies, and he's looking for them. He says, are the spies here? And she says, no, they're not here. She's hiding them. And so they escape, and they, they, their lives are saved by Rahab. And she says, for me doing this, spare us. She says, I know that the children of Israel, you are God's people. God's giving you this land. I know you're fixing to come in and take it. Would you spare my life? And they say, yeah, we'll spare it. She was a, she was the harlot, Rahab the harlot. The Bible says in, in the scripture in Joshua 6, Rahab the harlot. That was her life. She was a harlot. And so the children of Israel go in. Guess what? They walk around six days, six, one day, two days, three, four, five, six, seventh day. They go around, they shout, the walls fall. Then what happens on the other side of the wall? There's a battle waiting for them. There is a fight waiting for them. There's never a victory without a battle or without a fight. We like to talk about being victorious. We just don't like the fight. We don't like the battle. But there's always going to be a battle if you're going to be victorious. We're more than conquerors. I want to be more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. We quote the scripture, we're more than a, a conqueror. Romans 8, 37, I'm more than a conqueror. But we don't want the conflict that comes with the conquering. But on the other side of these walls, guess what? God said, there's a battle waiting for you. You're going to have to fight. And everybody's killed. Everybody's killed except Rahab. She's the only one that they saved because they gave her their word that we're not, we'll spare you. She's the only one that they killed everything. Everything. Everybody wiped out everything. In, in the New Testament, when Matthew talks about her, it's funny, she's got a new name, doesn't she? She's not... Rahab the harlot anymore. Now she's Rahab, the mother of... Does anybody read your Bible? <laughs> she's the mother of Boaz. If there hadn't have been a Rahab, there wouldn't have been a Boaz. And if there hadn't have been a Boaz, he wouldn't have met Ruth. Praise the Lord. 
See, in the Old Testament, she's a harlot, but Jesus comes. She's cleansed. Now she's just Rahab the mother of Boaz. And Jesus gives you a new identity too. Praise the Lord. You're not remembered for your past. You're remembered for who He says you are, the name that He's given you, the child that He's called you to be. Harvest, harvest, harvest. Elijah's running from opposition. We talked about that. He's running from opposition. There's been the rain's coming and the seed's in the ground and the rain's coming. And without the rain, the seed can't grow. And if there's no rain, there's no seed. There can't be a harvest. And talking about harvest time. And um, these guys here, they defeat. The, they, the walls of Jericho come down. They kill everything. Now they have all the possessions. They have everything. All the money. All the gold, all the silver, all the jewels, all the money. You know what they do? They give it to the Lord. Because that was the first city that they conquered. The first, they gave their first, their first fruits. In other words, their tithe. They gave their tithe because if, if you uh, eat all your seed, you don't have any seed to sow. And if you don't sow any seed, there's not going to be any harvest. So it's a biblical example of seed, time, and harvest. Praise the Lord. They knew not to eat their seed. That we better sow our seed. We're going to give the first. Praise the Lord. So there's always going to be a, a fight. No team's ever walked off the field victorious without having another team to play. I mean, when the other team doesn't show up and you win by default or, you know, whatever they call it, does it, does it feel good to get the trophy? Woo, got the trophy. No, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle. And it's not against a pillar. It's not a pillow fight. And I say that because when I was a kid, I used to fight my pillow. I remember. I lived next door in a house that was about the size of this bottle of water next door to Sprouse Grocery. Yeah. And I'd beat this pillow up all the time. I'd DDT that thing, suflex it. I'd come off the bed, drop some bows, some knees, uppercuts. I'd beat this pillow. I was only five. But I'd beat the fire out of this pillow and put it in a headlock. I mean, I'd tear that thing up. But it wasn't fighting back. But that's not the way the world works. That's not the way Satan works. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a confrontation. And you can't run to it. Run from it. You can't run from it is what I'm saying. And we've got to put these things into context. It's very important. So just like not understanding maybe the agricultural uh, Example here, we say things like this that they wouldn't have understood. We're going to church. I'm going to church on Sunday. What if you went up to the disciples and said, you going to church? Are y'all going to church? Do you go to church? We're going to church. Why don't you come and go to church with me? No, they would have been like, go to church? How do you do that? We are the church. We are the church. They didn't have a physical building that they went and said, we're at church. No, they said, we are the church. And people, they were persecuted. People said, there's those crazy Christians. There's, they're a cult. And you know what? The more they were persecuted, the more they populated. It kind of reminds you of something, doesn't it? The children of Israel, that in Egypt, and the more they were persecuted, the more they were populated. The more they populated. Praise the Lord. What if we said this? Well, if we said, hey, Paul, um, I was running a little late this morning, and uh, I missed the worship, but I was there for the word. What would his reaction have been? You missed the worship? Hmm, well, because Paul said, in view of God's mercy, that our lives should be a living sacrifice. That's worship. This, isn't, this wasn't his idea of worship. Which that's part of it. We need to come in here and raise your hands and lift them up. Raise up heaven. Because we have a saying, people say it all the time, that we've been raised in hell. Well, you should never raise hell. You should raise heaven. Because when you're lifting your hands, that's what you're doing. You're raising heaven. 
You're giving glory, you're praising, your worship. But it shouldn't just be in here on Sunday morning for 30 minutes for four songs. It should be the life you live saying, I'm going to be like an Old Testament sacrifice and my life's going to be laid down on the altar and it's no longer I'm living to self, but I'm living for others. In other words, it's not about me, but it's about Him. My life is a living sacrifice. What do you want me to do, God? Show me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. Use me. I'm a living sacrifice. That's worship. Every day, seven days a week. So Paul would have been like, you missed worship. Where was it at? I mean, what are you talking about? Your life is worship. And church becomes performance. Kind of like a performance. A lot of churches are like a performance. They're putting on a performance and things are well oiled and greased and they flow real smooth and just everything from the time you walk in to the time you walk out. It's just like well oiled machine and nothing against that. But church is not performance based. It's not about uh, consuming. It's about contributing. So you have to stop at the end of the day and ask yourself, am I a consumer or am I a contributor? Because if you're only coming in and consuming and you're not contributing, then you're definitely not living the life that God intended you to live. Sure, you should be consuming God's Word, but we should be a con contributing. We should be contributors. Contributors. There's people here that are playing guitars, contributing. They're sowing, sowing. They're sowing so that others can reap. Sowing their time, sowing their talents, playing instruments and drums and keyboards, and they get here early and they're sowing so that there can be some reaping. And there's people getting snacks and there's people preparing all week for Sunday school and studying and making lessons and getting ready to teach you and, and giving their time during the week. And on Sunday morning, they're, they're, they're sowing so that there can be some reaping. If there's no sowing, then there's no reaping. And we're reaping where others sowed. Where we didn't sow, they sowed, and we're reaping. Love. Here's, that's another word. If we could go back in time, and go back to when the disciples were living. You know what love was? Jesus. Love went to a cross. God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son to go to a cross, die of a brutal death so that you and I could have eternal life. I mean, brutally just beat and nailed on the cross. That's love. But here's, what, here's, here's our 2021's idea of love. Somebody texts you. You tap that screen and that heart pops up and it says, I love it. That's not love. Love went to a cross. Well, if we went back to Apostle Paul and said, look, they're bringing Taco Bell home for supper. Love it. <laughs> he would have said, that's not love. In a few hours when you're in there with... When in a few hours when you're in the bathroom going, Mom, bring me another roll of toilet paper. That's what they do. They, they call Mom for everything. I'm going to tell you when they call my name. They say, Mom, what's for supper? Mom, where's my pants? Mom, where's my baseball clothes? Mom, where's my riding gear? Mom, uh, I lost my homework. Mom, uh, only time they say, Dad, Dad, you know where Mom is? That's the truth. We got to find her because I need to know what's for supper. But I do the same thing. Boys, you know where your mother is? She's not answering her phone because that thing is such a piece of junk. She can go buy one any day she wants to. I don't know why she keeps carrying that thing around. But hey, I'm not arguing, you, arguing with her. She's the mom, you know? Every context needs a concept. Every context needs a concept. Harvest. Harvest. What is harvest? I asked Jackie this morning what she thought the harvest was, and she told me, and I thought that's really good. That's not what I was expecting you to say. I wanted you to say something else so I could correct you and tell you you're wrong, but 
unfortunately, she was right. So I didn't get to do that, which is pretty common around the house there. But what's harvest? What is harvest? What is it? What is harvest? Is it you sit back and you just like eat some honey buns? Is that harvest? What is harvest? Harvest is hard work. But most people wouldn't know harvest if it hit them in the head. They wouldn't know hard work if it hit them in the head. In other words, a, a young person, if you ever heard your parents say something like that, you wouldn't know it if it hit you in the head. This is hard work. You wouldn't know hard work if it hits you in the head. I've said it before. He wouldn't know if it hit him right between the eyes. I've been in church services before when the anointing was so heavy and so thick and so strong and the Spirit of God was moving, but nobody in the entire church, not here somewhere else, nobody in the entire church seemed to even know it except me and Jackie who were guests there and I was preaching there and I, was, I left there and said, they wouldn't know the anointing if it hit them right between the eyes. But you've all told your kids that or you said it about somebody else. Wouldn't know it if it hit him between the eyes. It's harvest time. When's my harvest coming? I haven't grown weary in my well-doing, and uh, I've been faithful, so... I can just sit back and enjoy, right? I can just sit back and enjoy. Just sit back and enjoy. I was thinking about this morning moms and their, their babies. We think, I would think before I had children, there was seed, there was time, nine months, and then now there's a harvest. Now I've got my baby. No, that ain't the harvest. You ever change one of them diapers? Well, ain't nothing harvest about that. Now that is the harvest. Just how you how you're looking at it. See, the harvest is not sitting on the couch and eating honey buns. Well, there's actually work. There's actually work. Harvest is actually hard work. Harvest is very hard work. Uh. My mindset would be harvest. If I'm in church and they're preaching about a harvest, somebody says harvest or anything along the lines of harvest, wherever you're at is harvest. In my life, spiritually speaking, that means God's hooking you up. He's hooking you up. God's taking care of you. It's harvest time. And uh, we're just going to sit back, relax, count our money, eat honey buns, sit on the couch, watch gun smoke or whatever it is you enjoy to do. It's harvest time. There's no work to be done. But there is work. When that baby comes as a mom, that's when the work begins. That's when it starts. And you're going to keep on working for a long time. That's harvest. Harvest is hard work. You know what? They go out there and they plant the fields, that seed. Then there's time. Then the harvest comes. Guess what happens during harvest season? You don't sit on the couch and kick back and relax, you get up extra early and you stay up extra late because you've got to go out and pick that corn because it don't pick itself. All those fields in Illinois, they didn't pick themselves. Those farmers sowed seed. There was time, then harvest came and they had to go out and reap the harvest. They had to go out and work extra hard to get it in. Praise the Lord. And kids are work, and mothers do hard work, and I think they understand this whole principle of harvest better than any man. We like drive throughs I love a good drive through Chick-fil-A, number one, add cheese, extra pickles. That's what I get. Large size. I like waffle fries with a diet. Lemonade. But that's not what harvest is. Harvest is not a drive through Kick your feet up. Count your money. I was thinking about uh, this week. See, here, here's... here's I, I'm, I'm thinking every day of my life, everything that comes into 
I, I don't know if all preachers do this. They probably do. But every day, all day long, everybody I meet, interact with, on the jobs, the customers, drive-thrus, business supply, uh, supply stores where I'm getting supplies or just wherever it is and whatever I'm doing, I'm always just like uh, looking at it from a preacher point of view, like how can I use this information or what has God shown me through them? Like I'm just like taking in information. I'm just digging, digging all week, digging, digging. And um, I don't just wait around all week and think that I'm just going to come in here on Sunday morning and sit down at my desk and just close my eyes and say, Lord, download it. Now there's some sowing all week. There's sowing every day. Sowing so that there can be a reaping. And um, I, I, was, I was thinking this week as I worked that right now, if I've ever seen a harvest in my life in terms of work, it's right here right now. I've had some harvest before. And what I mean by harvest is I'm not just sitting at the house all day counting the money. We're working longer and more and harder and getting more done and there's more on the plate right now than there's ever been. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. You can't go out and collect the crops sitting on the couch. You've got to go out and get the harvest. So as I'm working this week, it's been, it, 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 was, it was a doozy. It was a doozy. I ended up having to stay in a hotel out of town away from my family. I don't like doing that. But the situation, it just happened. It just happened. And uh, because I had to get a certain amount of things done or somebody's home will be ruined when it rains tomorrow. And... Um, I'm, I'm standing on this roof uh, or up on the second story looking out over this lake down in, at Lake Martin and it's uh, 5.58 a.m. on Friday. And I'm thinking, this is a heck of a Friday. And um, I was standing on the second story floor at, five, at almost 6 a.m. But at 7.30 p.m. I'm standing on the roof that's ready for rain. But see, it's harvest time. There was a lot that went into it. I had to work. I had to get up early and I had to stay up late. And as I'm working, I'm learning things during the day. So I have a guy on the second story who's ripping things apart, chunking them off because we don't need them anymore and they're hitting the ground. But I have another man underneath him where he's safe because he needs to be safe because this guy on the roof don't pay attention to nothing. He'll just knock you in the head with something. So I've got him under there cutting boards. True story. I mean, he's hurt a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Including me. He's just, he, he reminds me of my granddaddy. You better get out of the way. Because he's coming through. It's just, nobody's here but me. Just slinging stuff. So, I got this guy cutting, but I've got to get the wood to him. You understand? So, I had to walk out here to get the wood by this big dumpster and bring the wood back to the man to cut it. And then this guy's throwing stuff off and it's hitting the ground. That stuff needs to go to the dumpster. So as I'm walking back with this wood and I set it down on my way back to the dumpster, because my mind's always thinking, how can we save some time? How can I not waste my footsteps? So I pick some debris up. I'm looking up, making sure I'm not, nobody's throwing nothing on my head. But I'm picking debris up and I carry it to the dumpster. And I pick up wood and I go back. And then I pick up debris and I go to the dumpster. I got no wasted footsteps. I'm not deadheading anywhere. Some people don't understand what that means, but that means going unloaded. A truck driver doesn't want to go unloaded because he only gets paid when he's loaded. So I'm not wasting any footsteps. And I'm thinking in my mind the whole week that it became a harder week because of a, of a young man that we're trying to help out and minister to. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about wasting my footsteps and wasting my time. And don't waste any time. I can't waste any time because I don't have any time to waste because it's harvest time. The quicker I can get done with this job, I can go harvest some more stuff, some more crops, some more fields, some more money, help some more people. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's harvest time. And I think we can't waste any of our lives. We can't let waste one footstep. We can't let another day go by where I said, I should have. I wish I would have. I should have ministered to them. I should have invited them to church. I should have just went and ate lunch with them. I should have just done whatever because we can't waste any time. It's harvest time. Jesus says, it's harvest time right now. Praise the Lord. 
which carries me to John the fourth chapter. And we're, I don't think we're going to put all this on the screen, which Shannon's up there. She can follow along. And, and, and um, I don't know what all I'm going to read is what I'm saying, but she'll do her best. Because she has no idea because I didn't tell her. Jack, I didn't tell Jackie. I didn't tell anybody. I just said, John, chapter 4 probably is going to be where I might be. So, let's just start in the first verse. I'll read it quickly. We've got to move. Verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew what the Pharisees had heard, that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize his, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. That's an important point of this story. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to. He needed to. He didn't have to. He needed to. They usually didn't, but he needed to. Somebody needed to. Because the Jews had been avoiding it for all these years. Somebody needed to go through there. So he came to the city of uh, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, many times we've, we've preached this or heard this preached rather that Jesus sent them to go buy food. He didn't send them to go buy food. There's no translation of the Bible that says he sent them to go buy food. It just says they went to buy food. They recognized that Jesus was weary. That He sat on the well and his disciples said, hey, we need to go buy some food. They got to thinking about Chick-fil-A and waffle fries as well. And they got hungry. They got hungry. Usually when you talk about the woman at the well, you talk about thirst. And a few weeks ago, we were talking about she was thirsty. I'm, it's about hunger today. They went away hungry. They were hungry. They went to go get something to eat. And the woman of Samaria came there to draw water. And he said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into town to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink for me? A Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So we hear about the good Samaritan. All the good Samaritan. Most people, they'll stop and fix a flat tire on the side of the road and they'll say it was a good Samaritan. Or somebody does a good deed. A good Samaritan having no clue, no idea what a good Samaritan really is because they never read it in the Word or been in a church and heard it taught and taught the story about a good Samaritan. But the reality is the Jews did not like the Samaritans. They were an unpure breed, mixed breed, half breed, whatever you want to call them. The Jews didn't like them. The Jews didn't associate with them. They didn't go through Samaria. They went extra distance around just to avoid them. Kind of like parts of towns you go into now, you'll go around to avoid them because you don't want to get mugged or shot or get your hubcap stole or whatever. Same thing. We're avoiding them. We're going around them. But Jesus said, no, I got to go to it. I got to go through it. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. She was thirsty. Her thirst had never been satisfied because she's trying to satisfy it the best way she knows how with worldly things. But she finally met somebody who could satisfy her thirst. His name was Jesus. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, Give me this water that I may not thirst or come here to draw again. No, she didn't want to go there and draw again. That's why she's there in the sixth hour. She don't want anybody to see her because she's got a bad reputation. 
And Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. Well said. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. You spoke this to truth. You spoke the truth on this one. If you've had five husbands and now we're shacking up with Bobby, you're not good at... That's not just, you know... Um, it didn't just happen. There's a common denominator. You're not good at picking husbands. Or you're not too good at rela relationships. If you have a new set of friends every year, every year these are my friends, but next year these are my friends, and the next year these are my friends, and the next year these are my friends, you have a problem with relationships. You shouldn't have to have a new set of friends every year. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. So she says, I see that you're a prophet. Now she starts talking about geographical location. Your fathers worshipped here, but our fathers worshipped here. Where do you say we should worship? Should we worship on this mountain or should we worship on this mountain? And Jesus says, it's not about that mountain, it's not about this mountain, but there's a day coming and the day is here now where you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Twenty-fifth verse. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And twenty-sixth verse, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, we're getting right here to where I want to get. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her they were amazed that he's talking to this Samaritan woman. You're a Jew. You're not supposed to be talking to Samaritans. Remember, they're outcasts. They're a lower class. They're not like us. They're not a member of our church. Then the woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the man, Come see who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I, don't, I, I have food to eat which you know, which you do not know. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Did you see anybody bring him any food? In the 34th verse, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And in the 35th verse, where we started, Do not... Do you not say that there are still four months? And then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white with the harvest. These disciples have gone to get food. They come back, they find Jesus here talking with this woman. And... Um, during this conversation he's having with this woman, we just read it, she's coming there to get water, and he says, this water's not going to satisfy you, I'm going to give you this living water. She says, where's your bucket? And I like this, she leaves without a bucket. She came with a bucket to get water, to fill it up, to go back into town with her water bucket, but she leaves the bucket behind, and I look at that whole scripture in a totally different light, and I, I see that the people in Samaria, they needed some living water in Samaria, but it wasn't going to be carried in this bucket. What Jesus was saying is, you don't need that bucket. You are the bucket. I'm filling you up with the living water and now you're going to be the bucket on two legs that's going to carry it back to Samaria because they need it. They need the living water. You can say that she was on Jesus' bucket list. Because they need the water. And here comes his disciples back. Now while she's gone into town to tell them about this man that told me all these things, he, he says he's a Messiah. He, 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 I think, you need to meet him. You need to meet him. They're telling him, she's telling him about Jesus. Now she goes, a woman's been married five times. Now she's shacked up with Bobby and all of a sudden she gets this living water and now she becomes a preacher and an evangelist. She's going back and telling them about Jesus. 
And the disciples come back. And now they got their food. And they're separating it out. And they're saying, this is mine. This is your... No, I had a number two. You got the number one. And these waffle fries are good. And they're over there eating. And they're like, Jesus, do you want some food? He's like, I got food to eat that you don't know anything about. Did somebody bring in some food? Did you see anybody bring in some food? That's not the kind of food he's talking about. I'm going to tell you right now. When you talk to somebody about Jesus, the atmosphere changes. Everything changes. All your, uh, when you're weary and maybe you're hungry, you're thirsty, it's like all that just goes away and now you're completely, totally satisfied. See, feeding other people strengthens you. Feeding other people encourages you. It's like when you feed them, you get fed. You get full. I can't tell you how full and how, how it feels to stand up here and preach on Sundays. The Sundays that I don't preach is totally different for me because I'm on that end of it, not on this end of it. But when I'm weary, when I'm tired, and I'm wore out, I get tired and wore out too, I'll tell you. But when I come in here, I get strengthened. You can't stop me. I'm strengthened by the Lord. It's not by my might, not by His power, I mean my power, but by the Spirit. And he says, guys, guys, uh, he says, lift up your eyes. He said, don't they say that there's four months? So he's speaking their language. Isn't there a saying that there's four months to harvest? That's not something we go around going, yep, four months to harvest. How you doing? Oh, you know, just... Four months to harvest? I don't say that. I don't say there's four months to harvest. It's not something I say. I say, about two hours to quitting time. <laughs> and then we get to go sit at the baseball field till 10 o'clock at night. Yay! <laughs> no, I love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. You think, you think it wears you out, makes you tired until it's gone, then you want it back. You think they get on your nerves until they're gone, then you want, them, you want them back on your nerves. You wish they had quit messing that diaper up until they quit messing that diaper up, then you wish so bad they could be back in diapers again. You will. You will. When they start driving cars and getting ready to move out, you, you want to go back and do it all over again. I wish I could have babies again. I mean, it's easy for me. Jackie did everything, right? <laughs> he says, look up, guys. They're looking down. They're looking down here at the, their food. Because they're, 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 they're looking at, I'm, I'm fixing to eat. I'm going to eat. I'm fixing to cons consume right here. I'm hungry. Aren't you hungry? Let's eat. He says, guys, it's not about that food right there. Look up. The fields, they're ready to be harvested. Lift your eyes. It's the harvest time is here. It's among you. And here, here's this woman, and now all these Samaritans are coming out of town, coming back to Jesus. So you've got to picture all this. They're at the well, and they're there, and here's the food. But here's all these Samaritans that this woman is bringing back at the same time. And Jesus says, it's not about this food. It's about a different set of food, another total different food. Lift up your eyes. The harvest, it's harvest time. The fields are ready for harvest. And they're like, tell us more about this harvest. Jesus, he's like, lift up your eyes. And I can imagine them looking and seeing the Samaritans go, great, we got to deal with these Samaritans. Maybe you can tell us about the harvest a little later after they leave. See, these people right here, they were practicing social distancing way before COVID ever came into, into existence. <laughs> Because we're Jews and religion had separated them. Social distancing. They didn't come together. They didn't meet up. They didn't jihaw. And now here's the disciples. Jesus is trying to get them. He's trying to get them from the drive-through out to the farm. He's trying to get them from the table out to the fields. He said, you can't, it's not about eating. It's about the harvest. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is before you. See, they saw opposition. They saw difference. They saw different people. I was thinking this morning in my office, I was thinking about Pierce. And his wife's not here uh, with him this morning. 
she's at home with 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 one of the kids, but um, he he started coming to church. Him and and Brooke and Kenzie and Matt. So it's a man and a woman, young. He's he's a uh, you know he's actually a collegiate athlete. You may not know that, but he is. He 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 played uh, at a college level, and uh, I don't want to uh, like give him too big of a head, but he's he's a fairly good, okay looking guy here, and. He comes in, he's got his wife and his kids. That's just a picture of a perfect American family. Man, woman, young, good looking, one boy, one girl. Got it going on. And I I would look at that and think, oh, that's harvest for me. That's harvest. Why? Because he looks like me. I'm a Jew. He's a Jew. I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. Come on in. And that, that's, what, that's what the church has become. That, that, that's, that's the way religion was right here. Do you see it? That's not the harvest. That's the harvest. Those Samaritans right there, they don't look like you. All the ones that are drunk, that are smoking weed, that are shooting up heroin, yeah, those, that's the harvest right there. The ones that are smoking crack, the ones that are snorting meth, the ones that are stealing, the ones that are lying, the ones that are cheating, the ones that don't look like you, lift up your eyes, look, there they are. That's the harvest. That's the ones you got to love. It's easy to tap a screen. Can you love them? Can you love them? Those are the ones that need the water. Those are the ones that need loved. What's this got to do with Mother's Day? Mothers understand that more than anybody. They love you no matter what. It don't matter what you do, they love you. Daddy will kick you to the curb, not mama. I mean, there's some mama, there's always an exception, but not my mama, not my grandmama, and not my wife. Not any mama that I even see in here. They, it's a love. It's the closest thing to the love of Christ that there is. That a mama, look, she sees something different. We need to see like that. Because the harvest is here. He says, lift up your eyes for it's harvest time. Amen. See, when you put it into context, you can't have the context and the concept and you don't understand unless you put them together. But yesterday... I'm telling you, I woke up, I was hurting Saturday morning. Hurt. I went to bed hurting. I woke up Friday hurting. I've been hurting all week, actually. But Saturday morning was something extra special. I'm talking about I got out of the bed. I got up at 6 o'clock Saturday morning, not because I wanted to, just because I woke up. I couldn't go back to sleep. And I was in the bed thinking about Diet Mountain Dew. And I said, let's get us one. So I went in there to the kitchen. I went in there to the kitchen, probably about this speed right here. It's barely going. I got me a Diet Mountain Dew and I drank it. Sit on the couch, got into God's Word, and uh, started reading some scriptures and studying and thinking. And then I thought, man, I need a haircut. So I went and got my money's worth. But I had made plans to go out into the woods on Saturday, and I'd, I'd made plans, uh, 100% definite plans with one of my friends from Calera, his name's Kyle, and I'd made 50-50 kind of maybe sort of plans with Scott because he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to go. And uh, I woke up Saturday morning, and I can tell you right now, I wasn't even thinking about going. I was just thinking, dear Lord, I mean, I am hurting, and I'm tired, and I'm wore out, and uh, long story short, uh, I was going to text my buddy and be like, hey, man, uh, I don't want to bail on you, but maybe we'll go a little later after I start like coming back to life here. But he texted me, me before I could text him and said, almost there. I never gave him a time. He's just an early bird too. And so he's on his way, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, Lord Jesus. I mean, I'm too tired to go riding today. I don't want to go. So I called Scott, and I was like, you're going. You got you to gotta go with me. So anyway, he had a lot of stuff to do too, and, and, and he didn't need to go. But long story short, we all go, the three of us, and, and we get out there in the woods. And my son Kyle, he rode with me. And we get out there in the woods, and we meet up with a bunch of people. That every one of them is drinking beer. Every single one, the whole thing. Some of them is drinking whiskey. Drinking whiskey out of the bottle, crying royal, turning it up while they're driving in the 
That ain't too smart. But they're drinking all this stuff. Everybody there was smoking or vaping and uh, drinking beer and drinking whiskey, and um, except us. And if you would have looked at us, it looked a lot like Jews and Samaritans. And I can't, I'm not going to lie, a couple of times I was looking over there thinking, it's a bunch of stupid Samaritans. No, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, this is sad. This is actually very, 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 very sad because y'all are all lost and y'all don't know Jesus and um, you need him really, really bad in a terrible way. And I'm thinking about this scripture right here. Lift up your eyes. The harvest, that's the harvest right there. That right there is the harvest. That's the harvest. They don't look like me. They didn't look like Pierce when he walked in. They look totally different. They look like a bunch of alcoholics who had no care for anything in the world except getting smashed and cussing every other breath right in front of their little bitty kids. I got to thinking about Jesus and I got to thinking about this verse and I got to thinking about, I need to lift up my eyes. And I need to look, because that's the harvest. They don't look like me. That's the harvest. That's the harvest as Jesus is talking about. Praise the Lord. It's easy to have church up in here. We're all religious. We're all Jews. Jesus said that was the harvest. And um, the disciples looked at it as a problem. And a lot of times what we call problem, Jesus calls the promise. What we call the problem, what Jesus says, that's the harvest. Amen? We call it a problem and Jesus calls it the harvest. It's harvest time. Like I said a moment ago, what's this got to do with Mother's Day? That's not your typical Mother's Day sermon, I understand that. But I think I think the mothers, I think they look, I think we can learn so much from them. So much from them. Because they, they look at the Samaritans different. They look at the Samaritans different. They look at them and love them. Look at I look at my mom and how I've not been the greatest son and I haven't gone to visit and called and done as many things as I ought to have. But she just keeps loving me. She just keeps loving me. And I haven't been the greatest husband. She just keeps loving me. I haven't been the greatest grandson. She just keeps loving me. And the Samaritans... They weren't the greatest either. But Jesus just kept loving them. And I don't even know how to end this. I'm just going to end it by saying that we got to get from the drive through to the farm. And we've got to get from the table to the fields. We've got to lift our eyes up because the harvest is ripe. That corn ain't going to pick itself. And it's up to us to do it. This is easy. This is easy. Coming in here, easy. We're all in here. We came for the same reason, didn't you? Did anybody come in here to watch the Braves play this morning? I hope, you may, I hope nobody came in here to make a drug deal. Although that does happen at churches. I've heard from people that said it's the safest place to deal drugs. Big, like big mega churches of thousands of people that meet in the bathroom making it shake. Ain't no cops at the church wait, looking for a drug bust. I mean, think about it. If I ever do, that's where I'm going. <laughs> Y'all know I'm kidding. I hope you do. But it's out there. It's out there. It's out there. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. We pray for all our farmers to strengthen us, to give each and every one of us strength to go out into the field and harvest, to get up early, stay up late, do whatever it takes to work, 
to use this life that you've given us to go out and reap the harvest, to lead other people to the Lord, to share people, share Jesus with people. And not to beat them over the head with the Bible, but just to be their friend and just love them the same way you loved us. And just to overlook their faults and shortcomings just the same way you overlooked our faults and our shortcomings. But just to love them. Just to keep loving them. Just to keep showing them the love of God. And to win, to win their souls. Father, they need you. We need you. Thank you for strengthening us and guiding us. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for healing us. So many people doesn't, they just don't know about your grace. And they don't know about your mercy. Lord, they need to know. They need to know the harvest, the fields, they're ripe. They're ready for the harvest. And Lord, we just surrender our lives to you this morning and say, we're ready to go to the farm. We're ready to get out in the fields, to get us out of the drive through and get us to the farm, and get us away from the table, and get us out in the fields. And then we're not going to be just consumers, but we're going to be contributors. To help us to see people the same way that you see people. That we see through your eyes, not worldly eyes. And if anybody's here in this house this morning that says, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. So every head's bowed, every eye's closed, nobody's looking around, nothing to be embarrassed about whatsoever at all. Be the best decision you ever make in your entire life. In fact, it's where life begins because without Christ, you're a dead man walking. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you say today is the day, I want to give you that opportunity. So right where you're sitting, I just ask you to make eye contact with me or either slip your hand up so I can see you. Awesome. Everybody in here knows Jesus. And everybody in here is heaven bound. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we're leaving out better than we came in on this Mother's Day. We thank you for all our mothers blessing all of us here with all these mothers, all this love and all these good examples that you've given us. Father, we don't take it lightly and we don't think, take one bit of it for granted. We love them so much. It's in the name of Jesus we pray we give you all the glory, all the honor. Amen and amen. Well, give your mother a hug and tell her you love her. And go eat everything she cooked.